Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Creative Control with Vish Khan. I would like to take a moment here and level with you because I think I might have screwed this episode up. I was looking forward to this a lot. I got to speak to Ronnie Spector, the legendary Ronnie Spector of the Ronettes. You know, infamously married to Phil Spector for a, a period. Anyway, there's a couple of things that leave me unsatisfied about this episode. Number one, recorded it at the uh, recorded it at the CFRU studio. And there were some technical issues, and I feel I can hear them. You know, maybe I don't know if you will. Maybe I shouldn't even brought them up, but I hear them, and it bothers me. Secondly, I wasn't quite on my game. I think I didn't even get to the. I wanted to ask her about working with Joey Ramone, and I didn't even get to it. I feel like I was a little off. That's just me being critical of myself. And then thirdly, this has got to be the last time I do an interview where there's like a cutoff. You know, where they tell me. There's a guy, like, sometimes you do interviews with people, like, of, of Ronnie Spector's status, and there's, like, a, usually a dude listening, and he, he'll be like, all right, you gotta go, you got five seconds, and you're like, what the hell? This is a conversation-type show, but they don't know that, they don't care. Anyway, I, so I think that's, I can't do this anymore, I can't just talk to people when there's some guy listening, and then they cut us off. It's happened a few times on the show, and I don't like it, so... Uh, I'm just being maybe too honest with you. I have a few hang-ups about this episode. Otherwise, Ronnie seemed lovely and nice and forthcoming. And what a thrill to get to talk to Ronnie Spector. I just, personally, I wish it was a better episode. But I, it's okay. Maybe, eh, you decide. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening Boyhood, Slacker, The Grand Seduction, Lucy, Walking the Camino, and more. On Tuesday, September 16th in the Green Room, Professor Stephen Hennigan launches his new book, Sandino's Nation, Literature and Revolution in Nicaragua. Also on Tuesday, September 16th, Fearing and White perform at the E-Bar. And on Thursday, September 18th, David J. Knight launches his book, Guelph Versifiers of the 19th Century. The Bookshelf is an independently owned culture hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. Visit bookshelf.ca for more information. I was born at the start of the summer of love. I grew 
All the smart girls know why It doesn't mean I didn't try I just never know why It's because I'm all alone Ooh, baby, you're not at home Ronnie Spector is one of the most influential vocalists and performers in all of pop music. Her work with the Ronettes in the 1960s was legendary, altering the face of rock and roll with its style, attitude, and gigantic international hits like Be My Baby, Walking in the Rain, and Baby I Love You, among others. Spector simply casts a long shadow on contemporary culture, influencing filmmakers, fashion designers, hairstylists, and a list of musicians that includes The Beatles, Beach Boys, Bruce Springsteen, The Ramones, and Amy Winehouse, among many others. On September 19th, Spectre heads to Pop Montreal with her acclaimed show, Beyond the Beehive, an evening of music and stories about her life. Here now to discuss this further is Ronnie Spectre. Uh, hello, Ronnie. How are you? Hi. How are you, V? I'm very well. Where in the world are you, Ronnie? Uh, <laughs> well, right now, I'm at home in Connecticut. Nice. <laughs> how are things in yeah. Connecticut? It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I've never... I, You know, my uncle lives in Connecticut. I've only been there once. Is there anything that brought you to Connecticut in particular? Yes, the lovely trees. <laughs> trees, interesting. My two children. Ah, uh, okay. It's... You know, get out of the city, because I was born and raised in Manhattan, you know, Spanish Harlem. Right. So I wanted to get them out of that, you know, and get them to have their own little thing outside, their own little yard, you know, the usual reasons uh, parents move out of the city. Kind of a suburban life just seemed a little easier. Right, but still rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> now, from what I understand, the Beyond the Beehive show was launched uh, a couple of years ago. Can you tell us more about the show and, and how it's evolved since you started it? Well, I, I started it in, like, 2001 oh. uh, at a college, and in, in just with a girl piano player and another girl guitar player. And I'm telling stories to the audience and about my childhood until I started making hit records. And after the show, I mean, this is a college crowd. They went nuts. <laughs> so I started thinking, hmm, <laughs> they like this. They like my story. So I, my manager and I got together and fig trying to figure out, well, if we do this now, and it snowballed. 
Vish. It yeah. really snowballed. Right. We said, we'll start this little show here, a little show there. And then I got my band together. I got a couple of girls. I mean, you see everything, though, from the time I was born. Literally, I'm six months old up there on the pictures. And you'll see videos of me with the Rolling Stones, of course, the Beatles. and I mean, everybody. And you see everything of the Ronettes, all their, not, I don't think it's all their performances, because everything wasn't a film back then, but most of our performances, you see all of that, and backstage shots with, like, Dusty Springfield. I, I have a couple of pictures with Stevie Wonder and Muhammad Ali. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, everything, you know, uh, David Bowie. I mean, you have to see it to believe it, as they say. Now, is anything or anyone off limits uh, with this show? No. It's for kids. I mean, I had an 11-year-old girl come to my show at the winery in New York, and she was in tears. I said, you don't even know my life story. You're only 11. Why are you crying? (laughs) And she said, because this story, it was so great and reminded me of when I get older and things I want to do when I get older and to how to survive and take care of myself and be independent. I said, my show taught you all of that? (laughs) You know, it's really a great show for entertainment uh, to get emotional. I see women out there taking out their Kleenex. Oh, wow. I see guys crying, but I also see them laughing. And, you know, it's it's such a great, it's a diverse show. It's so good. I, maybe I'm bragging. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's the audience making me feel this way. Because let me tell you, Vish, everywhere I've gone, I've gotten standing ovations, you know, yeah. with the show Beyond the Beehive. So it's it's a great feeling. I, I I come off stage. I don't even have to go to a psychiatrist anymore. <laughs> all my emotions come out up there. I cry right along with the audience because it's you know some parts of it is like what you know. And I go. I just I just love it. I just love crying. I love laughing up there with the crowd. And you see everything from the time I'm born. I like I told you till the time till now. And you see me up there. Right now we live in an age. We live in an age of very high celebrity exposure. There's a lot of oversharing. Were you hesitant in any way about you know sharing these stories about yourself, your entire life, and you know no. talking about the people in your life? Were you hesitant? Are in you any kidding? Way? The way these people do today, all they do is show tits and ass. You know, so I'm ahead of the game. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I just don't. I don't understand today's music and a lot of uh, performers. I really don't. Because uh, to tell you the truth, I'll see somebody that I like like two years ago, then I never hear of them again. Yeah. You know, in, in the 60s, even groups, little kids today know the name The Beatles. Right. You know, Led Zeppelin. I mean, any, they don't, I, I, I hear these names and I don't remember them because the artists are gone. Now is that then the the singer, the performer, they're no longer around. But whether it's, it's hip hop, rap, you never hear of them again. Yeah. Is that and a is so, that is that about cultural consumption or the music industry? Do you have a sense of why that it's is? It's the whole music industry because everything has changed, as you know. Hmm. You know, everything is like uh iPad, uh, I I don't even know any of them except my <laughs> email to, to send my fans back, you know, messages and stuff. <laughs> That's all I know. <laughs> right. So it's all all that stuff. Twitter, uh, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I don't think you're missing much, Ronnie. You're, you're, I know. Yeah. I don't think so either. Now, I'm too busy having kids and raising them. Right. In mm-hmm. the in the show, are you still impersonating people? I heard you were impersonating people. Uh, really? <laughs> I used to, but I don't. I don't impersonate. I just have a 
very weird voice, as you can hear probably now. <laughs> and it's, it's, oh, I do, I do. Uh, I think I forget the show is so, so good. I forget it's so long. Uh, I do, I kind of, uh, with Keith Richards. Yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, little things like that. But I don't impersonate people. Not even Keith. I'm not even a good speaking like like English, you know, over there. <laughs> Rooney and all that, you know. Yeah, so, okay. But I do say a little bit of things in there. I'm going to give you the whole Shelby. No, I know. I wasn't asking for a preview. <laughs> I just wondered if you're doing an impression. Like, Keith is a very iconic person in his own right. People have done impressions of him. And the idea of you doing a Keith Richards impression just kind of made know, me chuckle. I'm a girl. <laughs> <laughs> and you, But you know him quite well, right? Oh, are you kidding? He was on my last of the rock stars I just made a, a few years ago. Right. And he was right there. We did a, a duet together. So you're friends? Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. We've been friends for 40-some-odd years. Right. And he lives 15 minutes from me. They don't live in England. They live here. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Right here in Connecticut. Right. <laughs> now, was there anything specific that prompted you to put the show together when you did? You say you started it in 2001. Mm-hmm. But was there something that you needed to, you know, you wanted to put a show. To, I, I get the sense that you need to be performing. You're a performer. Right. Was there something that prompted you in 2001 to, to get this kind of show together? Yeah, it was just seeing, uh, like, other shows and then saying, I'm, I don't want to do just rock, you know, all my shows. And that's when my manager and I came up with, let's do a show about your life, because everybody seems to be interested. And this is since before 2001. Mm -hmm. You know, this is like when I did the Eddie Money, uh, you know, Take Me Home Tonight video and all that. People were asking but, you know, I said, nah, I'm not ready yet. You know, I don't think I want to tell my whole life yet, you know. Right. But then I felt ready a few years ago. I said, I'm ready. And I felt ready to go out there and tell the good and the bad and the ugly mm -hmm. stories. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because I, I'm at a certain age. My kids are over 21 now. You know, so I, I can say things that I didn't want to say before, too. Right. But oh. now I can say everything and feel not guilty about any of it. When you some know, I just feel happy. Yeah, no, that that comes across. When you when someone looks at your discography, they will see huge gaps. You know, there'll be something from nineteen sixty one and then not it won't be anything until maybe nineteen eighty one. I I'm maybe exaggerating here, but No, you're not, because those years I was married to Phil and I didn't know I wouldn't have records out. I didn't know I wouldn't be performing and so for there's like seven years I chunk right there out of my life. Right. Of not performing or anything. I didn't even go on the Beatles tour. I had, they used a cousin to replace me, a look-alike. Right. And so, you know, and the Beatles were pissed, you know, because they love my voice. So Yeah. They finally got me on Apple Records their way. <laughs> <laughs> That's even right. Even if I had to do a song that I wasn't really happy with. Right. So these gaps, I mean, I mean, we kind of know the extenuating circumstances now, but can you reflect upon those gaps? Like, do you feel like parts of your creative life were robbed from you were taken from you oh for sure yeah because first of all you know i had to it took me more than 15 years in court to get my royalties for the ronettes mm -hmm. so right there i i would work then i had to stop i would work then i had to stop because i had to be in court and that took so many years i, I mean you just have no idea what i had to go through yeah but see that's the whole point in my show you can survive, you know, and still stri strive, strive. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can still do all of those things 
And so many people think when they get to a certain point, well, that's it. I've done my, I've done it. That's it. You can still go on and you can still make it and you can still just stick to it. That's all I can say. And have confidence in yourself. Well, you, we know you as this bigger than life icon, and <laughs> I, don't, I hate that word. I know, but we. I'm sorry, icon is. It must be a lot to bear. What does it mean, though? What really? I you, think. I mean, dictionary wise. I think you know, icon is like someone that just. Well, you're an iconoclast. I guess is what it means. It means that you are someone bigger than life. You are someone that sticks out among your peers. Well, the, I, I like that second one. <laughs> Stand out among the peers because I really do. Because I just didn't. I didn't wait for a hit record. I just went out there, boom. Yeah. Right after my divorce, boom, I'm I'm out there on stage. I I mean, I did oldie but goodie shows until I met up with Springsteen through John Lennon. Then I started doing up to date stuff. But I I did a lot of uh, oldie but goodie shows, as you call them. Right. When I like in the uh, in the mid seventies. But I did them at Madison Square Garden, Radio City. <laughs> but I still did only but goodie shows. But I love them. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Anthony and the Imperials. I mean, it, it was great even then. I love everything that I do if it's on stage and I'm singing my hits especially. But there there must, is there more, like I, I asked you about those gaps in time and as I say, we know some of the reasons. You also mentioned that you were raising a family. I presume right. that, that had something to do with you taking time off from being the well, performer that you are. Yeah, I think all women when they have babies, you know, I had my kids way late, in, like in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. You know, when most girls had already had their kids, you know, from the 60s and stuff. So I, I waited a while. I mean, I have three adopted children, yeah. you know, with, with my ex-husband. But, you know, they were given to me as presents. So I didn't really, you know, and the twins were given to me at like six years old. So I didn't know life. Now I have a real life with a real husband, great guy, two great kids. Yeah. I live in Connecticut and then I can go out and do my shows. I couldn't do any of that back then. Anything like that. I couldn't go out of the house unless I do a show. <laughs> right, right. You know, so, I mean, I love my life now. I just have the perfect life. And everybody says, you can't use the word perfect, but mine is pretty close to perfect. <laughs> great guys, meaning my sons, my husband. We've been married 31 years. I mean, not a lot of people can say all that. <laughs> yeah. Is there, and have gone through what I've gone through in the past. Yeah, I'm curious. Is there, we know you as this, as I say, you're bigger than life. Is there a more quiet or reserved side to Ronnie Spector that we don't know? Oh, yeah. I hardly talk at all. 
Hmm. I love to read. I love watching TV. I, I love staying home and just doodling around in my house. I love going to Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> just like that. And I do a little grocery shopping. Not a lot because I cannot cook that good. You know, I can make burgers, spaghetti, you know, eggs. But that's about it. I'm not one of those gourmets or anything. Right, right. You know, two, three times a week we go out to eat, me and the two boys and my husband. So I, I have a really great life. And when we do our shows, I have the band. We were on the same plane. You know, I have two girls. And I just have a great life, something I'd wanted since the 60s. Now I finally have it. Well, I want to go back so. to the I want to go back to the 60s and ask you about your well, maybe even before that actually. What is your first memory of being struck by music in a way that made you think that's something for me. I should be involved in this somehow. Well, it didn't quite happen like that. <laughs> but when I heard Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers on the radio singing Why Do Fools Fall in Love? That was it. It was like a lightning had struck me. You hmm. know, it was like, what? What is that I'm hearing? That's the greatest voice I ever heard. <laughs> so after that, I listened to Frankie Lyman until he was coming out of my ears. My grandmother used to say, Ronnie, you get close, you're going to go deaf if you get any closer to that Philco radio. Things like that, because I, I, I loved his voice, and that started it all. Even though I was singing before that with my cousins in the lobby of our apartment in Spanish Harlem and all my uncles and aunts thought I had the greatest voice. <laughs> but it was after I heard Frankie, I'd come home from school. My sister would be doing her homework. Frankie Lyman was my homework. Hmm. So you were... I listened to every lyric. I, I didn't, we couldn't afford going to music lessons or piano lessons or vocal lessons back then when I was a little kid. You know, so I learned at home listening to the records. <laughs> and was and your, I'd go over and over them again and again, you know, the the lyrics. And was Frankie your, was it. Frankie and was the it. Students I loved and the schoolboys, but mainly Frankie Lyman. And was your family supportive of your interest in music at that point? They they were supportive, but they also knew that it's show business and any you know, you may not ever become famous. Right. So they knew both sides, you know. And I, they took me to the Apollo. I have to tell you a quick, quick story, Fish. Okay. Fish. <laughs> Not Fish, but Fish. Yeah, yeah, when I was 11 years old, because I was so, like, my the parents were calling uh, from school saying, your daughter, all she talks about is Frankie Lyman, all she does is sing. And I, it's true. When I come home from school, my sister would do her homework. Frankie Lyman was my homework. Hmm. Then the teachers would call my my house and say, she's not getting any homework done here, you know. And that's when my, <laughs> my parents sort of got down on me. You've got to do a little more homework. We know you love to sing. See, they didn't, like, dismiss me from it. But that's what I was going to tell you. They took me to the Apollo Theater. You know what the Apollo Theater is. Oh, of course. Theater. Of course yeah. we do, yeah. They took me there for amateur night, me and a bunch of my cousins. And that was so scared. I couldn't believe it, but that was their test. We didn't win, but my cousin Ira was supposed to sing lead to be, for us to be more like Frankie Lyman. We get out there. He doesn't open. He couldn't even sing. He opened his mouth and nothing came out. <laughs> so this is my chance. My parents were out there. I grabbed the mic from him, and I started into Please Say You Want Me by the schoolboys, and the audience loved me with my cousins backing me up, ooh, and on. And we didn't win, but 
what a reception I got <laughs> for the Apollo Theater. <laughs> That's when my parents turned around and said, well, hmm, maybe you've got something, little girl. <laughs> See? That's <laughs> so, cool. So well, they didn't know I was that good until, you know, the Apollo audience uh, went over on me. They said, that little girl got something. Right. She didn't win, but they knew I had something, and my parents no longer disagreed. But I still had to do my homework, please. <laughs> I I hear you. Everyone should do their homework. I think that's a lesson yeah. we're getting here. What what do we, how did we get from you doing this at the Apollo to the Ronettes? Oh, we just always well, we were always together because it's family. One of the Ronettes is my sister mm-hmm. and Nedra's my first cousin. So the three of us after school we'd have to meet at my grandmother's house because my parents didn't get off work until like five thirty six. Right. So that's when we would go to my grandmother's house, and she had this big back room and a long mirror on the wall. And we'd do our own routines, you know, and that's when the twist was coming out and the, all the, the jerk and all those. So we did our own routines, you know, because we looked different. <laughs> right, right. I mean, you know, my mother is black and Indian, and my father's Irish. And Nedra's mother, who is my mother's sister, her father was Spanish. So uh-huh. we looked different. You know, from the other girl groups? Yeah, yeah. We just looked different because we were, you know, interracial or whatever you call that, half-breeds. <laughs> <laughs> and so we didn't, we, didn't, we weren't better. We were just different from the other girl groups. And I thought, think that's what drew a lot of attention to the Ronettes. Right. And you'll see all of that in my show. I mean, trust me. <laughs> I can't the wait. Ronettes, to... you'll see, you know, everything, you know, the Beatles, you'll see them, me at the plaza with them backstage. I mean, everything. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm ho- holding no bars. I'm giving everything away from the time I'm like, I think I'm like six months old on the first picture you see. <laughs> the show. Wow. So where I am now. <laughs> now, we know that your relationship with Phil Spector took a terrible turn, but we also know that he's credited with inventing something grand, the wall of sound. As an artist, what did you make of his techniques in the studio and the records that you made together? Oh, amazing, amazing. I can't ever say anything that was good and just because a couple didn't get along. I had great records. He was a great producer. Yeah. You know, but uh, and, and we, we we were so great together as partners in the studio. We worked so well together because I didn't know how to write music or read music. So he would be at the piano. He was a wonderful producer. Yeah. I mean, husband, that's another story. But <laughs> he was a great producer. He really was, you know, and with the wall of sound, it was the, the, the musicians were the wall of sound. You know, you had yeah. Hal Blaine, you had Earl Palmer, you had Glenn Campbell, you had uh, Harry Nielsen. All these people became stars themselves because they were the wall of sound. You know, Bill was the producer. These were real people. They weren't walls. Right. <laughs> it was a a bit, wall of sound, hello. <laughs> I didn't understand it when I first heard that. <laughs> but these guys were human, and they were great. How Blaine, and I had two drummers on a lot of my records, especially like Be My Baby. I had Hal Blaine and Earl Palmer. Right. Drummers, and I had uh, Glenn Camel. I mean, it was so many great, uh, you know, musicians. I can't say it was the wall that did it. No, it wasn't the it wall. Was still, and, and the musicians. Right. Together and with Harry Harry Levine, the, the engineer, it you know they say it takes a village. What kids? 
Well, it does with a record, too. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Like one person cannot make all of that, you know, hit and all that. You have to have all the, all the ingredients. It's like when you're preparing a meal. Is you it have to have salt and pepper. Right, <laughs> right. Is it fair to say that, from your perspective, those are the records you're the most proud of? Yes. I'm very proud of those records. I mean, it will probably be on my tombstone, be my baby or something. I mean, <laughs> but I don't care because I love them. Right. And people ask me, do you ever get tired of... I never... Every time I sing, be my baby, or walking in the rain, or, or baby... It's like I'm just singing them that night for the first time. And I don't know how that happens. I get so nervous. Because my show at the end, I can't give it all away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear <laughs> But at the end... That's when I sing my hits, and it's like, what? And I love them every time. It's like I'm singing them for the first time. And that's the best feeling. Right. You know, I don't know how people can get tired of something they made people so happy all over the world, millions of people happy. How could you not like that record? (laughs) (laughs) I would always sing it, and I love singing it every time. As legend has it, Phil hasn't released, or at one point hadn't released all of the Ronettes material. Have we seen everything or heard everything that you guys made no, at this point? No, you haven't. <laughs> Still not, huh? Are you kidding me? I was, sometimes my mother would get aggravated because we lived in New York and I would be in California. So he, Phil would tell my mother, oh, we got to go in the studio. She's got to make another record. So he always had a great excuse. You know, and I did go in there and make more records, but he never put them out. I bet I have about maybe... Two, three albums worth of just me. No Ronettes, you know, just me. And, and that was my solo album. It's or solo it, something, but solo it's, career. It's from the 60s. It's never happened. It's, it, this is stuff that you recorded in the 60s that just hasn't seen the light of day? Right, in the 70s too when I was married. Right. Every time I get upset and bored, he would take me to the studio and make a record. But I'm sorry, Ronnie, you got to get going in about 30 seconds. Oh, God. Oh, okay. boy, we got to get okay. going. Fish? Uh, uh, anything you want to ask, anything. Well, okay. I guess what since we're, since we're out of time here, I just want to tell folks that uh, once again, Ronnie Spector is bringing her Beyond the Beehive show to the Rialto Theater on September nineteenth as part of Pop Montreal. And for more information, people can visit popmontreal.com or ronniespector.com. Ronnie, if there's a song we can go out on right now, what would it be? Be my baby, baby. <laughs> All right, that <laughs> sounds fair to me. Ronnie, it was a great pleasure to speak with you, and I hope uh, we speak again sometime. I hope so, too, Vision. I hope you come to the show. I'll be there, man. Okay, Okay, thanks. Bye. (laughs) Bye Bye-bye.
Hey, thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.